Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Trials of a Casual Wargamer podcast. This episode I'm going to talk a lot about Fallout Wasteland Warfare. Now I've watched this game from afar for quite a while since it came out, before deciding to take the plunge just as lockdown started to kick in so I'd have some solo gaming to play. So my wife got me the starter set for my birthday and away I went. But first... What's new? More Rumble Slam have been played. I've set up my own wrestling company, the TCW, Total Chaos Wrestling. And now I have a show every week, as it were. Well, basically, I'm just going to do three matches and call it a show. It's called The Beatdown. I managed to get three matches played and written up for the blog. So they'll be going up on the blog soon. In fact, I think they're all three of them are up now as we speak. So head over to Trials of a Casual Wargamer and you can read all about the TCW action. We're only six matches in, but we seem to have the start of a couple of storylines. If you know much about wrestling, it's those crazy type of storylines. We even have a stable of wrestlers now. The SWO, the Stunty World Order. Being able to play these games during lockdown has really helped my mental health. If I can't game with friends, at least I can game by myself. And the single matches don't last as long, so it's quite easy to sneak them in, in between when the kids are learning. So that's always really useful. I've already got ideas for the next three matches, so we'll have to see what chaos ensures. Last week as well, Modifius, the makers of Fallout Wasteland Warfare, had a January sale. Yep, a January sale in February. But I think due to technical issues, they had to have it late. And I ended up buying some more Fallout models. Added to my collection now are the Heroes of Sanctuary Hills. So I get a male Vault Dweller this time. A Mr. Handy robot and another dog meat. I mainly just wanted the Mr. Handy, but you can't buy him separately, so this sale was the ideal time to pick it up. And now I've just got extra models. Bonus. Alright, let's get on with the main bit of the uh, podcast then, shall we? I discovered the world of Fallout through Fallout 3 on the Xbox 360 and I was immediately hooked. The setting, the lore and everything I thought was absolutely brilliant. Having explored the capital wasteland and doing all that you could do in Fallout 3, I eagerly got Fallout 1 and 2 and even Fallout Tactics which isn't, isn't quite as good really. Then obviously came along Fallout New Vegas which is my personal favourite, I really do quite like the NCR. And then Fallout 4 and finally Fallout 76. This is my most recent one, and I'm still getting to grips with it at the moment. For those of you who don't know about Fallout, it's set in an alternative timeline where like 50s America has carried on into the future. But Americans use nuclear power for everything. There are fusion-powered cars, fusion-powered coffee machines it looks like. Basically everything's atomic-powered. The whole lore and timeline is super in-depth and you can just lose hours reading through the Fallout wiki page to find out what happened and what major events occurred. The main event is the Great War where America and China chuck a load of nuclear weapons at each other, the day the bombs fell. And all the Fallout games are set in the world after this date, obviously, because it's all about surviving the nuclear wasteland. There are lots of factions that have risen from the nuclear wastes, depending on what game you play. Raiders, though, are everywhere. They're a blight on the wasteland, robbing and killing as they want. Settlers are everywhere as well, just trying to make a life for themselves in the ruins of civilization. There's the Brotherhood of Steel, 
a military group who go around collecting technology to make sure that humanity doesn't abuse it again. Over in the West Coast, the New California Republic are trying to restore some kind of civilization over there. There are also super mutants, eight foot green monsters, made by humanities messing with things they probably shouldn't be messing with. Hence why the Brotherhood of Steel want to stop us. Over the various games, there are also various other groups. There's far too many to just talk about on here. There's the Roman Legion, the First Responders, and the Mysterious Institute. As I said, there are still more, and I'm sure everyone's got a favourite. As well as the factions, there are hundreds of creatures mutated by the radiation from the nuclear blasts. Brahmin, two-headed cows, and now what the settlers use to get their milk and meat. There are giant toads, mole and rat combinations, and death claws, giant hulking creatures that stalk the wasteland and are quite scary. Once again, there are far too many creatures to mention. I'm sure everyone's got one that they all hate. The Fallout game worlds are all just littered with little bits of information. You can go around and just read computers. Not really important to the game, but still just little bits of stories. I often spend quite a long time just listening to holotapes, which is like people's recordings of things that happened and telling their stories. That's what I love about Fallout. The lore is so well thought out and just filled out so well. So, all of this would make for a really good tabletop game. Surely it would. And they're right, it does. And sure enough, one was released in 2018. It was a bit pricey, but then it was probably more like Games Workshop prices, so I'm guessing quite a few people wouldn't think it's that pricey for a miniature game. It also looked a bit complicated, and that put me off for a long while. But after watching a couple of playthrough videos, and the impending lockdown, which means I wasn't going to be able to play any war games with anyone, I decided to get it and ask for it as a birthday present. One of the main factors was the solo play mode, which means I could hopefully play by myself. So then, my birthday arrived and I eagerly opened the box. There are two starter sets, one with resin models and one with plastic PVC type models. Obviously the resin set will cost you a bit more. I had the plastic PVC set. Inside the set you get 12 miniatures. And my set came with a bonus miniature as well, which is always nice. You get the Vault Dweller, because what's Fallout without a Vault Dweller? You get dog meat, two settlers, an enslaved or freed tech, depending on which side he's on. And last of all, for the good guys as it were, one Brotherhood of Steel knight in power armour. On the bad guy side, depending on your point of view, you might like super mutants. You get three super mutants and two mutant hounds. And you also get a Deathclaw model, which is nice and big and imposing. And the bonus model I got was a Zetan alien. The Zetan aliens feature quite a bit in Fallout. Usually you can see them crashing flying saucers. The models are most, mostly slot together really well. I mean, I did have the plastic set, so they probably could get a bit bendy, but I've, I've been quite lucky and they don't seem to have bent at all, really. They slot together quite nice and they come with their own scenic bases. The only really bad sculpt I think I'd have to say would be dog meat. The fur just is not sculpted very well, so you can't make it pop when you're trying to paint it. That's my only real flaw with those. I'd have preferred a bit more fur on the dog. Obviously, I only have experience with the plastic set, so I cannot comment on the resin set, and that might be better. The miniatures are 32mm scale, so pretty much up with uh, modern Games Workshop styles. Next in the box is two mats, which you put together to make your battlefield. They are printed on shiny, glossy paper, so you can kind of see the folds when you lay them all out, which I suppose could be annoying. But I've gotten quite used to it now. I mean, I would like a proper mat at some point. But it's a lovely addition, and it gives you a, your, weight, your battlefield a nice wasteland feel to it. Then, there are the tokens. There are a lot of tokens and counters in this game. 
and at first looks it can be seen to be quite intimidating. But you don't need them all at once and in every single game, so it's not too bad. There's just counters to cover all different situations. There are also lots of cards. They cover items, perks, boosts, etc. All stuff like that. And um, character cards that show you all your character stats. These are all completely Fallout themed and have lots of references to various Fallout laws. And most of the things you'll ever think about in Fallout are in there. It's mainly centred around Fallout 4 because I think that was the latest big Fallout release. But I know there are expansions coming to cover a couple of the other different Fallouts. There are definitely some NCR Rangers coming out. And last of all are the dice. Now these are very specialised dice and can only really, well, can only be used with a Fallout game. No bog standard D6s or D10s here at all. Now on my blog I know a couple of people have said this is the reason why they won't buy this game because of the specialised dice. They do look a bit odd. And I can see why. So if you're going to play with someone else and you want extra dice you're going to have to buy a specialised set. Which is not too much money, but it's just annoying when, as every Wargamer has, we've got fistfuls of dice at home. But as I'll be playing mostly by myself, I'm not too fussed about it. And I quite like them, it's quite a nice mechanic. The main dice you use is a white one, and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a D10. But it has a couple of different things on to make it more specialised for Fallout. The other dice come in various different colours, and they add different effects to various different attacks, such as extra damage, special effects, or making the target roll easier. So it might be a minus one or a minus two. Various weapons use different dice combinations and at different ranges. These add quite a, quite a nice fallout type effect to it. It's quite hard to do it, explain. But um, yeah, you can sometimes, like laser guns, can set people on fire, which happens in the game. So it's just to add different effects like that. But as I said, when you first open them and look at the dice, you think, oh my life, that's going to be complicated. But once you've used them a couple of times, it's fairly easy to roll and you get it quite simply. You get two books inside the game, you get a rule book and a campaign book which has uh, various different scenarios in, it also has the tutorial scenarios in and uh, the solo play rules for the AI. The tutorial scenarios are really good at helping you learn the rules, each one introduces a couple of new rules each time. So when you get to the last scenario and you've got all the rules at play, you don't feel as overwhelmed because you've already played a lot of the basics already. Now. Choose the lockdown, I've yet to play an actual human opponent, so I've only ever used a solo play rules, so that's the only experience I can really talk about, but it works really well I find. The rules are not super simple, but they're not ridiculously complicated either, and I think uh, you do get the hang of them after a while, definitely with a tutorial scenario so. Movement is done by using different coloured templates. The weapon ranges also use these templates. These templates do cut out a lot of the measuring as you can just grab one put it down and then see what reaches where. The characters on the battlefield get the usual two actions, but in Fallout you can have quick actions as well. Quick actions mean you can do another action but suffer a penalty because you're obviously you're doing it quickly. This can be shooting, moving again, hacking a computer, searching for something. Various different characters can do various different things. You can also make your character heroic. This means they have access to VATS. In the Fallout game, VATS is a targeting system that you use to shoot people with. In the tabletop version, VATS give you the potential to have extra quick actions. If you're heroic as well, you also get critical hits. In Fallout, every time you hit someone, you build your crit meter. And when it's full, you get a critical hit, which does more damage. This is the same in game. Every time you make a successful hit, you can add a critical token to your player. And once the weapon's total has been reached, it unleashes a special critical attack. This usually is just more damage with some extra effects like cutting through armour or setting people on fire. 
every weapon in the game has a critical attack, so you don't have to worry about what you're equipped with. The whole game, I feel, lends itself more to narrative play than just straight battle in play, though you can do it. There are tokens for searching items, computers that can be hacked, all just like in the actual real Fallout. You even have quest cards that you can do in the middle of a game. So not actually the scenario, but just extra things to get you extra items or money. There are random dangerous encounters. You might come across a mole rat nest or meet a mysterious stranger. All these things make the battlefield come a bit more alive and a bit more Fallouty. Modifius has also recently released the Into the Wasteland expansion. This PDF gives rules for just a living wasteland as you go around. There'll be settlers just doing their thing on their farm maybe, or animals just wandering around, not directly going to attack you straight away, but just like you were walking through a wasteland and they're there living their life as it were. I haven't got this PDF yet, so I can't give you a full in-depth talk about what it actually does, but it's basically just trying to keep the wasteland alive as you're travelling through it. Now, the big selling point for me was the solo play. Every unit, as well as having a unit card, has a unit AI card. This gives a set of instructions of what the character will do, depending on what you roll. The character will either move, attack, or, or the objective of the scenario. So that could be trying to kill someone, trying to go somewhere. Now, it does say in the rules, if you roll something that the character would clearly not do, is to not do it. So if they're right next to somebody, and it suddenly says, oh, they just move away, and you think they probably wouldn't do that, then you change it and you make them attack or run away if you want. But as I say, you're not bound by the AI card if it won't make sense. It does say that in the rules. There are quite a few other scenarios other than the tutorial ones in the campaign book, which is good because it gives you lots of options and lots of different versions to play. There's also a settlement mode. This is where your group of survivors or mutants or anyone can settle down and make your own little sanctuary valley. This is done through a card drawing system. I've not quite got the hang of it yet, so I can't really explain it. But you do get settlement cards and you uh, can build various buildings and power generating to add to your settlement as you win more matches. Once again, this adds and lends to the narrative feel of Fallout. I believe in the first lot of box sets that were released for the game, you could get various different cards with them. But now I think all the cards are available free to download from the website and the newer stuff out in boxes doesn't have cards with it anymore, though I could be wrong. As it's been out a couple of years, there are plenty of extra boxes you can buy now to add different forces to your game. There's Brotherhood of Steel, Raiders, Creatures, Super Mutants, The Institute, and a lot of special characters from Fallout 4. And I'm sure there'll be more special characters from all the other different Fallout games as we go. I have the smaller Brotherhood of Steel box, which contains four Lancers, so not in power armour, but in just in the bog standard combat armour, and one knight who is in power armour. I have the small raider box as well, which is four to five raiders in it inside, but I forget how many. I've also got the sole survivor in X01 power armour with the armoured dog meat. And as I mentioned at the start, I've now got the heroes of Sanctuary Hills. Sorry, so I've got another dog meat, a male vault dweller this time, and a Mr. Handy. The Enclave forces are the latest release, and they've only just been released. To help learn the rules, I found some great playthrough videos on YouTube. Ash at Guerrilla Miniature Games does some great series of videos on how to play Fallout and some great campaign videos. There's also the War Budgies channel. He's done two great narrative campaigns and he's just starting his third one. They're really great battle reports and always good to watch. I'll post their links in the uh, podcast description so you can go and have a watch as well if you want. 
These two guys really inspired me to make my own narrative campaign, which I'll get to in a second. But I forgot to also mention, the game does have an app as well. You can get it on Android and uh, Apple as well. Now this app is brilliant at keeping track of the game and it has a special battle tracker which keeps track of your battle. You don't need to use the app at all. You can just use all the cards, but it's, I find it really handy to keep track of everything and save me having to have cards everywhere because I'm terrible at losing things like that. The only slight drawback to the app is you do have to purchase some cards. I think this is to get the app maker some revenue as he's a gamer, he's a fan of the game as well and I think he did it for the love of the game. So this is a company's way of letting him get some money out of it. You don't, as I said, you don't have to purchase it. You still get all the cards from the website if that's what you want. I did purchase the cards just to make it easier because I use the app quite a lot when I'm playing the solo games. I find the useful thing about the app is it does the AI orders for you. So it, it rolls the dice in its little computer brain and tells you what the uh, character should be doing. I find it a bit easier than having to find the card out, roll the dice. Just speeds it up just a little bit. Anyway. Back to the narrative campaign that I was going to mention about. Anyway, back to the narrative campaign I was talking about. Now, as I mentioned, those two YouTube channels really inspired me to make my own narrative campaign. And, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, I do like writing the odd short story. So I wrote a short story to introduce Tara, our sole survivor, who entered Vault 53 the day the bombs dropped. And in similar circumstances to what happened in Fallout 4, she was frozen and then woke up to an empty vault. The campaign will be her trying to survive and to trying to find out what happened to her husband, who was in the National Guard at the time, and did try and get her in the vault but couldn't make it. So now she's on a mission to find out what happened to him. I used the tutorial scenarios to start the campaign off. This way I could learn the rules and play my campaign straight away. The first scenario is called Trouble Beginnings. Tara's made it out of the vault. She's met two settlers, and now they've seen a dog that has been captured by the super mutants. And Tara, who's a bit of a dog lover, is not having it. Next up is Fort Davis. Tara leads the settlers and dog meat to her husband's old military base to see what she can find out about it. This scenario is followed by the water pumping plant. Tara and her band of survivors have to pump water to the settlement to keep on surviving. But the super mutants... They want to capture the settlers to take them home, and I think they're going to eat them. After this is the junkyard. Tara comes across an injured Brotherhood of Steel knight. She borrows his power armor and carries on the knight's mission to try and search something in the junkyard. This introduces the rules for power armor and radiation. The last of the tutorial scenarios is the coming storm. The two sides are racing to hide in a cave from a giant rad storm, except the cave just happens to be in the middle of a deathclaw hunting area. So, at a random point in the game, the Deathclaw appears. This last scenario uses all the rules of the game, so you get to practice what you've learned. So, with all the tutorial scenarios being done, I then had to start making my homebrew ones. I've done the first one. Tara and the band of settlers have to go back and reclaim Tara's old town, Sanctuary Valley. Unfortunately, the Radstorm has meant that Sanctuary Valley has been overrun by feral ghouls. These are humans that through radiation have been turned into virtually zombie-like creatures. Next up, I think Tara's going to go off and search for some info about where her husband's gone and what he's been up to. And also the mysterious gang called the 53s, who are made up of the descendants of the Vault staff who abandoned Vault 53 and left Tara to die. Hopefully I'll get to play this scenario soon, but these ones take a bit longer to set up than Rumble Slam, because they have to put out the battlefield and the game lasts a bit longer. 
Well, that's it for Fallout Wasteland Warfare. It's a great fun game. It can be intimidating when you look at the first open the box and have a look at it. But it can work and it can be good fun and the solo play is excellent. What is on the hobby table? Well, there's still the Fallout Minis. I know, I know, I'm taking ages, but as I've said before, I'm more into gaming than painting, so if the mood doesn't take me, I just can't paint them. I really do need to get them finished though. But I have undercoated the new models I bought earlier, the Heroes of Sanctuary Hills. They're all undercoated and ready to go as well. So I'll start painting those. Hopefully the enthusiasm will take over and I'll paint the others as well. Any other business? Uh, not too much really. I've been having a flick through the Gamma Walls rulebook that I mentioned I'd bought last time and I think I'm going to try it in 15mm scale. This is because I don't have a lot of space and 28mm mechs are going to be rather large. So I think I'll aim for 15mm. I've seen quite a few 15mm scale mechs so that should be fun. I'm also waiting for the middle of February so I can order a carrier for Victory at Sea. Yeah, I know I've been saying I want to buy one but they keep putting it back because of Covid. So hopefully mid-February, which is handily just after payday, I can order me a carrier to add to my fleet. My friend Matt has finished his Royal Navy fleet. I've put the pics on my Facebook page because they look awesome, because he's a great painter. And I can't wait to have a game with him when this Covid thing is all sorted out. Well, that's it for today's episode. Stay safe and keep them dice rolling.